overcoming financial stress with the saver and the spender. I'm your host and the spender, Michael Dickey. At Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, we are the worldwide leaders in reducing financial stress. And our mission is that everyone, from the person that is overwhelmed with their finances and in debt up to their eyeballs, to the person that makes good money, has amazing goals, and wants to achieve financial independence, finally to the person that feels a calling to help others by becoming a financial coach, learn how to take the stress out of money. Hello, everybody, all of our friends. This is Coach Kelsa here, and I am super excited to bring you this episode of the Saver and the Spender podcast. You guys know um, Michael and I have our daughter, Carmen, and our soon-to-be adopted son, Alex, and we feel very passionately about talking with your kids about money. And we just know how overwhelming this topic can be for so many parents. We have the segment called Carmen's Corner, where we try to give you guys some really tangible tips. But I am excited because we have an expert with us today. Our guest is John Lanza, and he is on a mission to help families raise money smart and money empowered kids so that they can live happier, more fulfilled lives. Uh, He has written The Art of Allowance, along with three other children's books. He's the creator and chief mammal of The Money Mammals, an award-winning DVD and youth savings account program for credit unions nationwide, and all built around the core Money Mammals mantra, which is we'll share and save and spend smart too, which I absolutely love. Thank you so much for joining us, John. We are so happy that you're on with us. Kelsa, I'm glad to be here. Yes. So tell us how this whole thing got started. It sounds like you've got quite the passion for talking with kids about money. How did it all start? (laughs) Well, it started with uh, our kids, surprisingly (laughs) enough. So my wife and I have uh, two girls who are now 15 and 13, which is hard to believe. Um, But back when the 15-year-old was six months old, we were kind of just taking, we were in Southern California, we were taking a drive up into the mountains, getting a little just time away from the city, and we were discussing things that we wanted for our kid, at this point it was kid, Mm -hmm. and we had planned on having kids, and um, and one of the things that kept coming up was the importance of just being money smart, and as we talked about it, we kind of talked about the fact that both of us have very different personalities, as just just like you guys have found out, as the saver and the spender on this on the podcast. I was the spender, <laughs> and she is the saver, and she has always been the saver. I mean, she is my wife is the person who was giving out savings bonds to her ne- nieces and nephews back, you know, when people actually did that, and she's always kind of saved. She she bought her first car in cash at age 24, you know, with money she had saved. She just had that, she's just been smart about I it. I love and, that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was impressive. And, and then I was much more of a spender. You know, I, I talked about in the book, the fact that I had bought a computer um, with, uh, it's like a $2,000 computer. I bought it on my credit card, thought that was a good idea, and didn't pay it off till I, that thing had cost me about $3,000. <laughs> and you know, I eventually kind of learned, and a lot of that learning came from being with my wife. But in any case, we looked at it, we're like, well, it seems kind of random because both of our parents, our, our per, both sets of parents were pretty frugal. So why did we end up like this? And we wanted to be intentional about teaching our kids. We wanted to get across the importance of this. And the more we looked into it, the more we realized that it was important to teach kids young and we also realized there just wasn't anything out there 
to make it fun because my background was in kind of entertainment, some education, and I just, I just, I knew that if we could make this fun, take something that's naturally pretty dry and make it something that kids are excited about, I thought we, it might make some sense. And that's kind of how the Money Mammals were born. And we started with the DVD, and like you said, they, they sing about their mantra, which is we'll share and save and spend smart too. And it's Joe the Monkey and his friends, and kids just get, they're like a magnet for getting kids excited about the concept of, these concepts of sharing and saving and spending smart. I love it. So, um, you know, teach kids young, make it fun, and be intentional about what you are teaching them. That is um, some major nuggets that you just said in your story, which I absolutely love. And I would say too, I think Michael would probably admit that he learned a lot from being married to me with his money as well. Um, and I am just so excited that you guys noticed that there was this need, um, for financial literacy young and decided to fulfill that need. I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's so needed. So, um, you are going to partake some wisdom on all of us, which I am so grateful for. So we've got, I would say a lot of the people who listen have children. So what is, let's just dive into like allowance. So what's the best age to start doing an allowance structure? A good age is about five years old and it's getting, setting up an allowance is pretty easy. And what we do, I'll kind of just walk you through how we set it up and how, um, you know, a number of parents now are setting this up. And that is you do, basically you do it kind of a dollar per week per age of the child. So to break that down, a five-year-old would get $5 per week. And then you're going to take those $5 and you're going to set up three jars. So they're going to have a share jar, which is for charitable giving. They're going to have a save jar, which is for slightly longer term goals that they're going to be saving for. And then they're going to have the spend smart jar. And so, and we add the smart to the spend. It seems like just like a, a simple change, but that's more than a semantic change because the whole idea there is to get kids to be thinking when they are spending their money. And that's something we want to kind of encourage. That's why we call it spend smart. So it's not, it is important that it is called the spend smart jar. So we have those three jars. And what we do at allowance time, you just set a time that you're going to do it every week. And don't beat yourself up. If you miss a week, it's all right. You can double up the next week. And you let your kid put the money in. But what we do is we opt them in or nudge them to behaviors that we want them to, that we think are beneficial to them. So for example, one of those dollars has to go into the share jar because we believe, and most people believe, that charitable giving is something we want our kids to do. So we want to get them used to making that choice. So they put that into the share jar. They don't have a choice in that. One dollar goes into the save jar because we want to teach them about paying themselves <laughs> first. I mean, that's something you guys know as financial coaches, one of the most important axioms of kind of personal finances, pay yourself first. So we're teaching kids, we're opting them in, we're nudging them into this behavior. They put that dollar into the save jar. And then a lot of power comes with these three discretionary dollars that are left over. They can do anything with those. Those, you know, for, the arg for argument's sake, we'll just say that they put them into spend smart, but they might also go into save and into share. And that's how we do that every week. And that's just kind of your basic allowance setup. And what you want to do when you start the allowance is be very intentional about why you're doing it for your kids and explain to them that you're doing it because you want to teach them to become money smart. And what we're trying to do is teach them the kind of core money smart skills. And those are saving for goals, 
making smart money choices and distinguishing between needs and wants. Great. I love that. And I feel like there's probably some parents listening that right now they're like, oh my God, but we're so busy and I get home from work and we're tired and we've got bedtime routines and all of that and homework. And so logistically speaking, what are some time savings things that you guys have found works with like getting the dollar bills and getting them ahead of time? Do you guys go to the bank? Are you getting it from the cashier at the grocery store? Logistically speaking, any tips there for saving time with us? Yeah, I mean, wherever you do get your cash, the grocery stores, that's typically where we're going is getting cash out at the grocery store. I, I think the most important thing here is that what I said before, which is if you miss a week or if you don't have, you know, don't beat yourself up. You want to try to get consistency. That's always great. If you can do it and you can set, you know, whatever it is, Sunday night and you set, you know, I know families that'll do it as part of their dinner, Sunday night dinner ritual, set up a ritual that makes it even better because then your kids will remind you to get that money when you're at the store, which is always good to have those reminders from kids. Um, but I think what you're getting at is the most important thing, which is that you want to make it as easy as possible for yourself. So, you know, if your reminder is in your kind of digital reminders, make sure you have one that goes off every week on Friday. I got to get this money so that I have the dollars so that on Sunday night we can do our allowance um, protocol. But really, again, if you miss a week, even if you miss two weeks, it's not a big deal. If you do miss two weeks for a five-year-old, because remember, they're not necessarily going to fully get what you're doing at that age, but you're just getting them used to using money language, getting comfortable with the concepts of money. And if you do skip a week or skip two weeks, they may it's, it's a good idea then to restate the intention. Like, I am giving you this money to teach you to become money smart. And that's really important. And especially, you know, that's, that's why we have the money mammals is we pair that with the fun of the money mammals. So, you know, we have some, we have three kids books that tie into each of those parts of the mantra. We have a book about sharing, a book about saving, and a book about spending, spending smart. And the idea there is that then the kids are excited and you can always reference them. You say, oh, you're saving just like Joe the monkey and that type of thing. So, you know, those, those are just a few little quick. Yeah. Tips. And I love that just such a simple sentence that is so age appropriate, which is I'm going to, I'm giving you this money so that I can teach you how to be money smart. I feel like it's so much better than like, so you can learn how to manage your money or you can learn how to budget or, you know, I think just, I want to teach you how to be money smart is such a simple and yet perfect, eloquent way of, you know, setting that intention. Um, you know, I think it's like a lot of things with parenting. You know, we might tell our daughter something for an entire month straight and it doesn't seem like she's getting it. And then all of a sudden one day it like clicks and she just starts understanding it and comprehending it and following through on it. And we're like, oh, this whole time, like it's been, it's been working, but you kind of have to just keep doing it. Even if at first you're not seeing those results. And I think money with children is very similar, right? Like the first couple of times, they're just going to be going through the motions maybe of like sticking money in these jars because mom and dad said they should and they don't really understand it. But you kind of keep doing it. You don't give up. You stay the course, keep setting that intention. And then one day, you know, it just kind of sort of clicks and it becomes fun for them. Yeah, and you can use different kind of trip tricks to make things work. You know, I was talking um, on a podcast with another parent and because and, every kid has a different money personality and some kids will take this immediately and then they, they are just like really excited that they could be saving for a goal. They're really excited when they go to the store and they can use some of their spend smart money. Some kids don't care about it. They don't even want to spend their money. 
But you know what? Those same kids might be kids who are really interested in sharing some of their money, mm-hmm. you know, charitable giving. And so you can incentivize those kind of things for them by saying, you know, if you put your money into the share jar, I will give you an extra quarter for every dollar that you put in there during the allowance time. That might incentivize them to put that there. Same thing with the save jar. You can match them dollar for dollar. Uh, whatever your values are based on whatever that your kid might be interested in, you know, use these different types of tricks and, and the incentivizing is a great way to do it. Some kind of, you know, some kind of matching that goes along with each of the jars. Thinking about, you know, especially if a kid is not necessarily, like you feel like you're going through the motions and they're not necessarily using the money, which is not necessarily a bad thing that they don't want to consume, but you also want to give them an opportunity to learn something about something else, another choice they can make with their money. So that could be, like I said, doing that with the save jar for a longer term thing or longer term item or doing it with a share jar for charitable giving and then finding places where they might give that money. Sure. Yeah. I find that the idea of an allowance can be quite the heated conversation amongst parents. <laughs> Do you find that to be true, Jen? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny about, I think it's just because it's such a loaded term in our society now. Um, and this is why I harp on this intentionality. I'll probably overstate that uh, throughout this, <laughs> throughout our discussion. But it's really important. And that's why I think it's really important to keep talking to your kids about why you're giving them an allowance. Because what happens is if it's a rudderless allowance, it's not going to accomplish anything. If you're just giving them money, then it is a handout. And that's, I think, what most, people's unco- what's, what most people are uncomfortable with is this idea that I'm going to give my kids a handout. And it is a handout if you're not intentional about it. But if you are intentional about it, it's a terrific teaching tool. And the other thing that it does really well is that it opens up a potential lifelong dialogue between you and your kids about money, break down the taboos, and then you can kind of move into, as they get older, much more, you know, interesting and complex discussions to the extent that you want to engage in those conversations. Yeah. I I really just try to reinforce with the parents that I talk with too, that I don't know a better way to teach your kids about money than to kind of put in their hands and let them play with it, learn how it works, maybe make some mistakes, feel empowered by their choices, feel really proud of certain decisions, you know, but be able to buy something that they've saved for and feel really good about that. I, I mean, if they could read just a book and not do anything and just learn everything that way, then that would be great. But I really think that like, it's got to be done in tandem, you know, like the books, the children's books about money, the stories, and also just practicing it. Well, and there is research that strongly suggests the importance of experiential learning, which is this real world learning, which is that kids are going to learn money if they have money, learn about money, only if they have money in their hands with which to practice. And the other way to look at it is that if they if they don't get that they don't get this chance to practice, then they're going to be making decisions. They're going to have to learn these money behaviors when the decisions are much more consequential. So why not let them? Because sometimes sometimes parents are worried about oh they're wasting money. Or, they're going to make mistakes. You can't think of it as a waste. Just think of it as practice, just like any kind of practice. And yes, they're going to do things with that money that you aren't necessarily happy with, but 
you know, and, and, and certainly as a parent, you can control that. You know, if there are certain rules, like you're, you're not going to, you're not going to let them buy a nightmare on Elm Street as a five-year-old or whatever it might be. But, yeah. you know, you, as long as they're buying within the parental, you know, within the family rules, right. you're going to have to let them make some buying mistakes. But guess what? There's, these are very low stakes mistakes that they are making. And it's just part of the learning process. Yeah. So. I always say, especially when they're older and maybe they spend their money, you know, going to the movies versus going to a dance or something like we know that that's not that big of a deal, but to them in their world, that is massive, you know, but it's so much better to learn that lesson then when that's what you're torn between is going to the movies or maybe going to a school dance versus like, am I going to make my house payment or my car payment someday? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 you put it that's exactly right. And and especially you think about the consequence of a decision they're going to be involved in with you at age 18 most likely, which is going to college. That's a that's a six-figure decision mm-hmm. in most cases. You know, and it's good to be having those conversations with your kids about the money you've set aside, how much college is, seeing the different types of colleges, and by starting this dialogue from an early age, they realize it's just part of the money conversation that you're having. It's not, it's not, it's not more than that. It's just something that has to be considered when you're making a big consequential decision like that. Yeah. And I know we're getting a little off topic from what Michael sent you. Hopefully he warned you, John, (laughs) that I would probably do that. Um, I, you know, the dialogue is so important. One of the things that I see happen sometimes with clients is, they were brought up in a family where they never saw their parents talking about money. And it's not to say that their parents didn't, but maybe their parents, if they were having those conversations, tried to shield their children from them and like never let them experience it or even let them witness it. So now they're grown up, they're in a marriage, let's say, and that their spouse and them have to talk about money a lot. And they feel like I must be doing something wrong. We must be bad at this if we have to talk about it because my parents were did okay and they never had to talk about money. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. And that's that's interesting, the, the perspective that you have as a coach where they're thinking that talking about it is 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 like a, is a fault. Yes. And yeah, it's exactly the opposite. That talking about it is that's a that's a feature. That is not a bug. That's a that's a major feature in this in this whole process and in involving your kids in some of those discussions obviously not all of those discussions and doing it age appropriately is a great thing well and even and, even having them you know see you know we'll t- Michael and I will tell our kids like oh mommy and daddy need to you know go talk about money we need to go have a budget meeting we need to go make some decisions around money and we want them to know that there are conversations that there's effort being put in and it's positive effort um, you know otherwise we fear that they're going to grow up and just think that this was easy for us. And so if they have to put in any effort, does that mean that they're doing it wrong? And we don't want them, you know, to, to think that that is the case. Yeah. And you're very smart to do that. And, and you guys know the importance of that kind of, you know, having the dialogue in an age appropriate manner. But, you know, a lot of times people feel like, they don't want to share, you know, how much they're making or, or, you know, what their financial situation is. And, and, and those are very personal decisions. But the fact is, especially as your kids get to be tweens and teens, is they know if there are money problems, one, they course, figure it out, yeah. whether you tell them or not. And then two, they probably can figure out <laughs> what kind of money you're making and, and certainly where you fit, fit, you know, where you fit in the social strata. That, that stuff just happens. Yeah. So 
if, 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 if the kids are already going to know that, you might as well start having these conversations and opening up. Because really, all we're trying to do is in these conversations is for kids to understand that money is just a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool to you know, potentially get you know, financial freedom, but it's just a tool. And we don't want money holding sway over them. We want them having control over their money, you know, becoming eventually money empowered. That's all kind of where we want to get. Yes. And I love your philosophy on the importance of being intentional. I really don't think you could talk about that too much. I feel like our philosophies are very in sync on that. I mean, I always say whether you call it budgeting or planning ahead, if there's one skill I wish I could teach, you know, people is how to be intentional with their money. I really feel like you just feel more fulfilled that way. You feel more content and you might not make any more money than you did the year before, but you feel like you do because you are just doing the best things with it for you. Right. So not what anybody else is doing, but for you. So I I love that. That's your philosophy with really what you hope children take away. Um, I mean, I, I really don't think you could beat a dead horse on that. Just so you know, I think everybody's heard me say it enough as well. So, um, I I think too, you know, one of the obstacles parents face when they want to start an allowance structure is they're like, well, where are we going to find the money to do that? And I've often tried to encourage them that it's not an additional line item, that typically these are things you're probably already giving your children money for. So at a young age, it might be, you know, letting them buy a soda from the grocery store or, you know, a piece of candy or, you know, getting something from the ice cream truck or something like that. And the idea is that this money sort of replaces those line items, that it's not an additional line item on the budget when it's older, you know, when the kids are older, excuse me, if you are paying, giving them money to go to the movies or giving them money to go to the mall or, you know, eat out over lunch or go to Dutch bros or something. Um, the idea (laughs) is that this allowance now becomes their spending money. Do you agree with that? Is that kind of what the use of their money is for? Are the things that the parents are currently giving them money for? Is that what you have found? Or do you find it to be something different? Oh, we've definitely found that. And the difference is that now they have control of the money. And that's empowering them. And the other thing is they're much more careful about their own money than they are about the money that you're spending on them. Isn't that amazing? I I do do that all the time. I mean, they literally will spend their money so differently. And it's like parents don't believe me when I say that. And then all of a sudden they like experience it and they're like, oh my God, my son's a saver. I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it's because now it's his money. He's going to do something very different with it than when it's mom and dad's money. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's interesting about this too is that, so our, my older daughter, you know, she's been, she had, uh, you know, she's 15 now. And and I want to make this clear to parents. It's not like she is, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call her money genius. In fact, uh, but she, what's what's interesting is she's always negotiating, trying to get, Mm -hmm. trying to get me to part with my money so she doesn't have to part with her money. (laughs) So it's it's not her. like these com- <laughs> these conversations don't end; they continue. But the nice part is, she knows, you know, she knows that once that that that's not going to be an easy conversation, and but she will make some very interesting cases for why that should come out of my wallet and not her wallet, you know, whatever it might be. If she's going out to dinner and we would have paid for, you know, if we were going out as a family, but she's going out with a friend, she'll make this case that, well, you were going to pay for me anyway. Why don't you pay for this? And you know, what's good about it, that the, the, the cop it's, it is an open conversation and there's nothing wrong with her trying to negotiate that. But I, I bring it up mainly because 
I want parents to understand that it is an ongoing thing. It's not like you're going to do this, spread the magic dust of allowance, and your kid's just going to become money-empowered. It's What you're doing is the magic dust of allowance just opens up a world of conversation, and you continue those conversations. And to the, <laughs> to the extent that you can enjoy a conversation with your 15-year-old, you just have to kind of embrace the craziness of some of those conversations. <laughs> I love that story. We encourage so many of our clients to practice negotiating just for the sake of like feeling more comfortable with it. So many people are simply afraid to hear the word no, or um, they're embarrassed, or they feel like they're being cheap if they try to negotiate. And we really just, you know, even if they, the person says no, if you're going to buy it anyway, um, it's, there's no harm done sort of thing. Um, and we try to make them, you know, help them to come up with a way of asking that they feel comfortable asking and that sort of thing. And you'd be surprised by how much money you can save over your lifetime simply by asking a simple question of, Hey, are there any better prices for this right now or something, you know? And, uh, it sounds like your daughter is going to be masterful at that. I love, (laughs) I love it. And she's gaining comfort with it, which is so cool. You know, I just, I love hearing that. Well, my wife and I say this all the time. The stuff that drives us absolutely bonkers will serve our kids so well when they get to be older. Yes. You know, this, <laughs> I, I, I want to, I think it might be helpful because it seems like the right time since we're talking about the use of money, um, maybe to talk a little bit about how the, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but how the allowance can grow with your kids as they get older. Can I do that, Kelsey? Yes, and I was yes, because I think that's. I was going to say that the other challenge is that people are like, well, I don't know where to start, or I don't know how to change as my kids get older. So I think it's perfect. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. So the way that we work, so you have this cash allowance that you do. Ideally, you're doing it from say five to about ten years old, and that's so. It, you know, at five, they're getting five dollars a week, sure. and they're nine or ten, they're getting nine dollars, ten dollars a week. Then when they become tweens um, or teens, you we start what we call the breakout allowance. And so uh, it's going to be the breakthrough allowance. And the breakthrough here is that now they're going to get a lot more responsibility. And so they're going to get more money and they're going to get more responsibility. So what we did, and we went whole hog on all these responsibilities. You can take them, you could, you could kind of step through each one of these. But their responsibilities now are that they have to cover their phone, so that's communication. They have to cover uh, gifts for their friends. They have to cover food when they go out, and they have to cover all their own clothes, okay? So they have now, they, this is, so we, we had a big conversation about this and a negotiation. And we actually have a free resource that you can get from our site, and we can talk about that later on theartofallowance.com in the resources section. You can download a Google Sheet that has all of this and you can start a negotiation with them about all these things. So you figure out how much they're going to, for example, you figure out how many friends that they have, how much you're willing to, how much they can, they're going to pay for each of those presents, and then you take that, divide it by 12, and that gives you, that's the, that's the amount that's going to go towards the, um, uh, the gift side of your breakthrough allowance, okay? And you do that for clothes, you do that for the communications, and the communications you'll know on a monthly basis. What I mean by that is the extra money that our phone provider charges us, they have to pay for that. And then food, that just means if they're going out with their friends somewhere, they have to cover their own food. You know, obviously they don't have to go out and forage um, for dinner with the family, but this is just for, for, for stuff when they want to go out. 
And so they get a, marge, a larger allowance. So for example, our 13-year-old our gets $100 a month, right? So that's $25 a week, roughly. Now, people without context, their eyes bulge and they cannot believe that that, how much money that is. But I can almost guarantee you, getting back to your previous point, you would be spending more than that on your kids on these items if you were tracking it. Well, and saying no or yes out every other day to like, can I have money for this? Can I have money for this? You know, like you'd be getting that question probably way more often. Exactly. And now they have responsibility for it. They get much smarter. For example, they, they think about their gifts in a whole different light. And this, so, so it sounds like a lot of money, but once you start with it, then you realize one, the, and the other thing you do is you, uh, you give this to them on a monthly basis. So now they're getting used to this kind of like the windfall that you might get when you get your first paycheck. And like most people, when they first get their first paycheck, they will probably blow through it and have no money in the last one or two weeks of the month. That is part of the process. Yeah. And this, this is true with the $5 per week allowance. Yes. And with this older allowance is the idea that they have to, you have to be, you have to stick to your guns. And when they're asking for more money, they just have, they, they, you can't give it to them because they have to learn the lesson that I just ran out of my money. So I got to figure out how to deal for the next, next, whatever time it might be until that, till I get my next allowance. Yes. What a beautiful lesson for them to learn. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to just really quickly interject and encourage our listeners who might be hearing that $100 number and sort of balking at it a little bit to not, you know, let your mind close to the idea just because of the dollar amount. So money is relative. Everyone's budgets are different. Everyone's lifestyles are different. Every child is different. Pay attention to the concept and the point behind the process of what you're teaching and simply maybe adjust the dollar amount for what will work for you and your family and your children um, and really focus on the takeaway and the tactics that we're trying to teach the children. So I just wanted to interject there really quick, John. I'm glad you brought that up, and we know that we are fortunate to be able to give our kids the allowance that we do give them, and your point is dead on. It's the reason I call the, I wrote, I call the book The Art of Allowance, sure. and that is because every family is different, every kid is different, every parent is different, and like you said, if you're uncomfortable with that amount, then make it work with $50, make it work with $25, you know, what make it work. The one thing that I caution parents is if you have the means, be careful of giving way too little of an allowance mm -hmm. because then you're not empowering the kid. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is just putting them in a position where they're just going to be frustrated by the fact that they don't have any money. Yes, so excellent. that's just the one, because I see that happen a lot. People just, they, and it's really just a general uncomfortable, it's, it's a, I think once people understand the intention behind it, there I am using that word again, and, and we provide them with the why, but I don't think we can talk about this too much, and I think you yeah. agree with me on that. Totally. Um, yeah, once they have that why and they realize that that is something that you just have to kind of keep going back to, then it makes sense. Yeah. And when it comes to the, the dollar amount changing, you said that was around what age, like a tween kind of age, you said? Yeah, and so it typically, like we did it, so we did it at age 12 for my older daughter, but we did it at age 10 for my younger daughter yeah. because, the, and that, that was the same with the allowance. We started at age five for the older and four for the younger because they see what's going on. Sure. So they just kind of pick it up. They, yep. they, they, they see how it's all working. So. Yeah, and, so, and every kid's a little different. Some are quicker, some are, you know, 
a little more immature or playful for a longer period of time or, you know, and that's not a bad, I don't say that in a bad way. Immatures, I do not mean that in a bad way. I just mean, you know, they're, um, not in the real world yet sometimes. So, um, and then what about, do you still use the jars at this stage of things? When do you start to introduce a bank account and that sort of thing? Oh yeah, that's a great point. So what we did set up, my wife set up bank accounts for them way before when they were young. And so what we would do is take, like when gift money came in when they were say three or four or five, you know, we would take most of that gift money and put it in the bank and then, um, and then get, give them some of that money to use. But when, uh, when we, uh, in terms of allowance, it's important to use cash. Now listen, if you can continue to use cash all the way through their teens, more power to you. That's great uh, because we know from studies that people are, it's much more difficult to part with cash. Uh, it's not a bad idea to, to, to go straight up cash. But what we did is we gave them five years of physical cash in the jars so that they see at allowance time making those money choices. The point, really one of the big points there is that kids, you want your kids to understand that whether they are intentional about it or not, every time they receive some money, they are making a choice to do something with that money, whether they're putting in, whether they're putting it to share, whether they're putting it to save, or whether they're deciding to spend smart. So cash is a great way to do that because they physically see it. You want clear jars. They see their money. We're, we're getting away from the piggy bank where the money is hidden. This is all, the jars are kind of a metaphor for the conversation that we're trying to have with our kids. So it's an open conversation. It's their money. We're not trying to hide it. We're not saving it for a rainy day. That's how that whole process works, and cash is a great way to do it. And then when they got older, uh, when we transitioned to the breakthrough allowance, we moved into a debit card. We have a certain, we have that debit card, and there are various services that do this that allow you to still put money into the buckets, the share and the save and the spend smart. They might identify them different with different names, but those three buckets still exist. And then I think it's important to do that, and the reason is that digital money you know, is still real money, and it's good for them to start to learn how to use that money. Plus, on a practical level, it makes it a heck of a lot easier sure. um, to be able to get that money in. But, but I will tell you, it's not, it's not as powerful as it is to have that weekly allowance where you are putting the money in. One thing that I do do is, I, I, even though some of the services allow you to have an automatic um, uh, interest, I calculate the interest on a monthly basis and text them how much interest they're getting based on their saving as a way of kind of, kind of um, continuing the conversation. That's and then, great. so I'll send that to them and then I'll talk to them about it and I'll say, you know, you could be, especially if you have a lot of money in your, in your spend smart account, I'm like, well, if you're keeping like $300 in there, why not just take 100 and put it in the save and be getting a lot, getting some interest on it? And we do an enhanced interest. So they're getting 10% interest on that because the interest you get from any account sure. is not going to teach yeah. any kid. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's That's it's a terrible. good trick. I wouldn't have thought to ask you that question. So thank you for saying that because I think that's really sure. cool that you guys do that. Now, how does somebody, so they're listening, they love this idea, they have kids um, any age, let's say, and they either do you have some responsibility or don't have responsibility? Where do they begin to get started and um, start executing this idea of an allowance? I mean, really any time. So, and I think, you know, what I hope today we get across to, to folks who maybe are on the fence or have a program that they, you know, they, they need to kind of 
goose a little bit is the importance of the intentionality. So you can start anytime. If you have a seven-year-old, start with $7 a week. And always be prepared for the, with the younger kids, just be prepared that there are going to be some difficulties, you know, in the form of a temper tantrum when you move from mm. just, when, when, you, when you're moving from, sure, I'll get that to, for you, to, uh, nope, you have your own money, and then that, uh, that money doesn't buy what they wish it would buy. It may be a temper tantrum, it may be some sulking, but you know what? It doesn't take typically very long for them to realize that as long as you hold <laughs> you know, stick to your guns, then they're going to realize they're going to have to uh, have the money for it. And they're going to realize if there's something that they really want, guess what? Then you take a picture of that thing, you put it on the save jar, and they have to start saving for that item. And that is another fantastic conversation to have with your kids. So that's a seven-year-old. And then if you're going to start, if, if you haven't done anything, for example, and you have an 11-year-old or your 12-year-old, set up a breakthrough allowance, but just start with one of the items. So just right. say clothing or gifts, whatever makes the most sense. Just pick one of them and just say, you're responsible for this. I'm giving you this much money a month. And they'll pick up pretty quickly usually. And then you add on the additional responsibilities. We went with all four because our kids were kind of used to um, doing it, but it's used to, used to getting an allowance. Sure. But it's very easy to start it up. You just have to, it's just better to start with less responsibility in the beginning and then add it as you feel more comfortable that they can handle more. Yeah. And, and probably something that they may care more about. So if, if they're the type of kid that likes to buy gifts for their friends or something that maybe that's a good, they'll feel it more encouraged. It's something that they really do care about. Maybe, uh, your daughter loves buying clothes or accessories or something. So that's probably a good category to start with. It's something that she feels, um, excited to be saving for, I would guess. Well, you know, that's it's an interesting point that you bring up clothes, for example, because sometimes people, one of the complaints people will make or they'll look at the system like, and they'll think, well, you know, you're giving them $100, and again, we're not just giving it to them. There are strings <laughs> attached. But most importantly, they are, they're learning to make these choices. So you, but you can continue, there's, there's plenty that you can do. For example, our, and I'll give my wife, credit for this, our kids shop for their clothes at flea markets and at Goodwill stores more than they shop at regular stores. They still go into regular stores. I mean, that's just kind of some, sometimes, you know, whether good or bad, that's just part of the social structure for some of them sometimes at times. But, but, but that was something you can introduce to them. So yeah, sure. They are, they're, they're, they're consuming, but now they're consuming, now they're spending smart. And so bring your values in, show them that, they, that they're, they've got a lot, more, a lot more purchasing power by going to uh, Goodwill or going to a flea market, or, or even better, my, my, my wife does clothing swaps with her mom friends, and now she's starting teen clothing swaps, which I think is a genius oh, idea. Yeah, that's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you really quickly before we move on, what, what are some tips for parents on like picking the responsibilities or the chores that your children um, need to do. Any ideas there? Well, here's the thing is we don't advocate tying chores to allowance. And here's the reason why. Um, that, as we've said, uh, the purpose of an allowance is to teach kids 
to get money smart, to, to teach them to learn how to save for goals, distinguish between needs and wants, and make smart money choices. That's its purpose, and you do have to be very explicit about that purpose for your kids. It's not a handout. This is a tool to teach your kids about money. Chores teach a different lesson. So the chores lesson is that you have to work hard for money. Great lesson, different lesson. So if you want to teach them that, then you can give them chores that you might normally pay other people for, whether it is washing the car, doing yard work, those kind of things, sure, you can pay them for those. They're kind of like above and beyond chores, but basic chores like washing the dishes or, doing, or cleaning their room or making their bed, they shouldn't get paid for those things because that's just what they're doing as part of the family. So, and again, I think the key is that parents a lot of times want to tie the chores to allowance because they don't want a handout. But as long as parents understand that it's not a handout, that it is an, in, an intentional process and the purpose is to teach their kids to get smart with money, then, then it makes sense that you can separate those two. The other benefit, this is not the reason to do it, but a huge benefit of decoupling chores and allowance is that you know we have constant battles about doing chores. And if you add in that the money, that money is the punitive aspect, punitive part of them not doing chores, then you're casting this pall over the money conversation on a pretty consistent basis. And again, that's not the reason, but it's a really nice side benefit of separating the two because we're trying to have as positive a money dialogue with our kids as possible. And I, you know, and maybe, maybe that's just our fault as parents, but it's, you know, chores are just something that are regularly, that's just, kids are always trying to get out of their chores. Sure. And so there's a lot of conflict with that, you know, they, and getting those done. So the decoupling, that's a nice little kind of added bonus of decoupling chores and allowance. Yes, I like that word, decoupling. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the save jar, it sounds like that you've talked about so far, the purpose of it was to save for something, an item, you put a picture in there so they feel motivated to save for that item. At what point does it shift to saving for the sake of saving to not be spent? And how do you get kids excited about saving with sort of no desire to spend it later. Yeah, we're you know we're personally kind of in the midst of that, and that is that's going to be different for different parents. Uh, one great uh, piece of advice that I've heard from multiple people, whether they are uh, kind of adult money experts or kid money experts, is that once your kids get a job, open up a Roth IRA for them, and then they can save in the Roth IRA. And I love the idea of to the extent that you can matching. Some, either dollar for dollar that money or some portion of a dollar um, for every dollar that they make because that's that's then they then they start learning about investment so that's a that's a great vehicle to do that the other place the other way is if you have a kid who is tends to be saving a lot more then you know, that's something you can you can get them in using for example like I, I don't want to we don't get anything out of this, but there's a service called Stockpile where kids can buy fractional shares. Mm -hmm. So just get them into the stock market. And the easiest way to do that is just have them uh, pick something like a brand. For example, my older daughter was plays soccer, so she picked Adidas and invested in Adidas. And whether they lose or win in, the, in their stock market bet, it opens up a conversation. So uh, some of the conversations that are opened up, one, that's, that stock happened to go up 
pretty quickly and she was considering selling it and we had a conversation because she bought it in our account say well if you sell it remember you do have to pay the commissions on it but i mean either way at some point you're going to have to pay the commissions on it but you're also going to have to pay short-term capital gains so if you wait at least a year and then sell it then you're paying long-term capital gains mm. and so like how else are you going to have that conversation where they don't fall asleep at the table right you have that, <laughs> right you have the conversation when it's money in their pocket Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yes. So, so that's that's those are just easy things to do um, with your kids. And I am far from a stock market expert. So uh, you know, I we we tell them straight up. We say we are almost exclusively in, uh, invested in index funds. That's just what we're comfortable with. But you should learn about the stock market and try it out. See how it works. Again, low stakes. Worst yeah. case scenario, you're not losing too much money. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage people right now. I know, you know, this conversation has gotten a bit more complex and you don't have to start with this. You're not going to start with this when you're talking with your kids. You don't need to understand all of this right now. So, and I think that's, you know, this idea of like, how, where do I even begin to talk to my kids about money? And when do I introduce the idea of like compound interest? And it's like, you know, you'll, you'll slowly grow through that process as you start teaching your kids a little bit more and a little bit more, and you will likely learn in the process too, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Um, so for parents who might feel overwhelmed by the idea of a Roth and you're thinking, I don't even know if I fully know what a Roth is, then it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You can go start back at the beginning with some of these simpler things that we discussed and know that at some point you might be ready. And, um, but that's why we have to start someplace and you don't have to worry about, you know, step 10 yet. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought, you brought that up because, you know, we all carry some kind of money baggage into our conversations with our kids. And I have found, and I know in talking to many parents about this, have found that just be open to change yourself and it's th that part of the journey is actually really exciting. I've learned uh, plenty about myself in this whole journey, uh, maybe even more as much as my kids have learned about themselves in the journey. And it's perfectly fine to be, to be open about some of the mistakes that you made with them mm -hmm. so that they know. Because then it makes it a little easier for them to realize, oh, okay, then mistakes are going to happen. So I can, I can be comfortable with that. That you're not, you know, they already, certainly, as once they're teens, they know that you're a very fallible being so in, in many ways uh, based on the <laughs> based on the the day-to-day -day craziness that goes on so there's there's no reason for them to think that you're going to be a, a you know the a money genius and you know it's all right to 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 talk to them about some of the mistakes that you made so that they hopefully will avoid those same mistakes but nothing will uh, replace the importance of, of them having their own money because that experiential learning is so so important yeah. And I think so much of this is a little bit of fear. I truly believe that one of the best things that can come from talking with your kids about money is that it reinforces an idea of leading by example and wanting to do better yourself. And, you know, as a parent, that can be a little scary of like, oh man, am I going to have to show up now in a new way? And we might want that for ourselves and for our children. And yet it's also a little scary too, but nothing, you know, can be better than just learning something new yourself with your money. Um, and I know, you know, we'll go to the ATM and we get out our cash and we talked to Carmen about what that 
how the money gets into this big box. It's not just like some free money machine and, you know, that kind of thing that mommy and daddy put money into it. And that's why we get to pull money out of it and that sort of thing. And, um, it's just, it's good for us to talk about why we use cash to reinforce that idea with us of like why we enjoy doing that still, you know, and even though some people don't, it's fine. It's just, it really helps us to keep the communication open too. So I think there's so much growth that can happen despite the fact that maybe we haven't all been perfect with our money. So, um, quick question. I get this question all the time. Your thoughts, John, on debit cards and the expectations or when those are introduced and how do you teach the use of debit cards with kids? Yeah, so we touched on a little bit. We did it when we moved to the breakthrough allowance. Okay. And I, I do think that it's a good idea to bring in debit cards, mainly because I think, you know, kids need to understand that digital money is, uh, you know, is, is real money. And so they've got to get comfortable with that uh, and using debit cards. And I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good tool. And it's a particularly good tool if you've already set up set the stage by having set up an allowance with them so that they've done the cash distribution into the accounts. And then if you can have a debit card that also has those accounts, then it makes it really easy to kind of get across um, that point that, that it, this is just a digital analog to the physical system that we had set up before. Um, and if you haven't done that, then you know, start small with your kids like we were talking about before. But I think it's a good, it's, it's this, you know, a, Teen is going to be uh, is going to have to get used to using digital money at some point, yeah. and it's a good idea to have it uh, under your watch. Um, again, I think if you want to incorporate cash into it, I think it's great. There's no getting around the fact that cash is uh, a terrific vehicle because we are just much less likely to spend cash than we are to spend digital money. But the other thing is just practical. Um, it's just practical for parents to have these larger amounts automatically debited to your kids and, you know, they get used to what their life is going to be like when they start to get paid in, in money, which is most likely going to be digital dollars as well. Yes, I totally agree. And, you know, we have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, so cash is still definitely the best yes. right now. Right now they look at these cards and they're like, they don't understand them at all. So, um, but at some point, absolutely, it will be super important for them to have accounts and to look at them online. Um, I know I had a, a parent one time, she gave her daughter a checkbook, you know, opened her first checking account, gave her a checkbook with it. And the daughter was just writing these checks and was overdrafting the checking account. And the mom said to her, like, you can't just write checks. Like, you don't have any money in there. And she goes, but I had checks left. Like, the mom kind of <laughs> forgot to explain to the daughter that the check is not the actual currency. You know what I mean? Which yep, I know yep. it's just one of those very simple things. And so I always try to remind parents, like, you know, to teach them to look at their bank account regularly and consistently. They have to open it up and monitor it for you know, charges or things could happen that they don't approve and um, to kind of keep an eye on their bank account too. And frankly, that's a lot easier for them to do with a digital account. Sure, you know, absolutely. And, che and checks are really going by the wayside. So that's 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 the nice part yes. about the debit cards. They really, they can't do that. They will be turned away immediately, absolutely. Um, which is good. I, I wanted to um, just talk, because you mentioned your kids uh, at two and three, and we've been talking about starting at five, but mm -hmm. you can definitely start the money conversation earlier. And I think it's, I wanted to mention this concept. Right. So there's a concept called emergent literacy. Okay. And 
you know, it's, it's a fancy term, but it basically means it's, it's the reason that we all read to our kids from a very young age, because we know, like, you know, when they're even, you know, a month old, we might be reading to them. And we now know that exposure to language yeah, provides the, the building blocks for later literacy, reading and writing. There's a similar term, which is emergent financial literacy. Mm. And so we want to have these conversations with our kids when they're two and three, because one, they're already getting the spend conversation because they're seeing advertisement, mm -hmm. right? And two, it's exposure to money language. That doesn't mean they're going to understand. They're still going to think that a penny is worth more than a dime because it's bigger. Sure. But that's not the point. The point is you want them to just get comfortable with the money conversation. So, you know, for example, if you go into the store with a three- or a four-year-old, before they have an allowance, you can give them a dollar and let them t test out using the dollar to get something or $2 and, and getting change for that. Because like you said, that way, because you had said you explained to, to your daughter, this is not just a magic box. You know, <laughs> money doesn't just magically come out of it. Um, so it's good for them to actually see the transaction happen. But opening the conversation, because sometimes parents trip, off, trip up on this because they think that two or three might be too young. And certainly, you're not going to be sitting there talking to them about complex investment decisions. But talking to them about spending money and exchanging money and getting cash back. And again, they're not going to be able to count it. It doesn't matter. The point is, you're exposing them to money language so that they're ready for the lessons once they start getting an allowance down the road. Yes, I love that. I um, I read something a long time ago, and I really can't remember, John, where I read this, but it said children begin to learn about money from their parents at the age of two. And it's really more of an observational type thing. I'm sure it's this emergent literacy that you're referring to. And um, and so really, I just say, like, be careful of the words you're choosing. So, you know, are you going to work and you hate it because you have to pay bills and, you know, all of that and money is like this very negative thing. They're going to pick up on that energy really early on. We like to say things like, you know, mommy and daddy have to go to work. We have to help people and we get paid to help people, you know, that kind of thing. We want to make it very positive that we enjoy the work idea and the connection of work and money. And then, like I said, simple things like this machine doesn't just spit out free money and same, same thing, little things like, Oh, can you hand the money to the cashier? And, you know, we'll be in the grocery store and, you know, we'll be buying, let's say pretzels and they'll want to open the bag and we'll say, no, we have, we have to pay for things before we can, you know, open them. So we have to go pay the cash register cashier. And then once we pay for it, then we can, then it's ours, you know? And I think just simple, it's so simple. Um, I, I oftentimes just encourage parents to just, if you're thinking about it in your head, say it out loud when it comes to money and you're, you know, with your kids and that sort of thing. And of course, use their language as best as possible, because there's so much that we take for granted that we know, um, or are doing with it that they, they're just watching. They're not, you know, able to hear our thoughts. That, that's a great piece of advice. It reminds me, when you say, say what's in your head, I remember, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, but I can't remember where I read this. And I I've, I've keep looking for this, this article. But they were talking about um, the, the, the invisible decisions that, that you make with money that your kids don't see. So, for example, you know, you come home and you've bought, uh, you know, a $22,000 car, right? But they don't see that you didn't buy the $45,000 car, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or you didn't, you know, and, and that's, I'm just using a car as an example, but it's good for them to basically to talk out your inner monologue about the purchase decisions that you're making so that they understand them better because 
that way they can start to understand what the dialogue or the, the inner monologue should be for them when they're making purchase decisions. So I love that idea that you're saying, which is like, if it's in your head and you're thinking about it, you know, with, with the appropriate filter for age, sure. talk to them about it. Yeah. I think one of the best places to do that as a family is a family vacation. You know, especially if you've got slightly older children and you're talking about doing different excursions, like sitting down and saying, okay, here's our budget. These things cost this much. So we could either these do these two things, or we could do these three things over here and letting them just be a part of that conversation. Um, they're going to learn about money, but with a fun sort of aspect. Um, so I find like, I think the vacation thing is just that perfect opportunity that will likely present itself anyway. And like I said, parents are usually researching different things and just get the kids involved in it. Yep. That's uh, great advice. So you, um, I know the, the savings ideas and the different, uh, the breakthrough allowance and you, it has a lot to do with your money mammals is usually through credit unions, I believe. Right. Is that correct? Accurate, John? The Yes, yes. We, okay. we currently, yeah, we license the program to credit unions. They use it as kind of a uh, an educational program for their membership and potential membership. Okay, so tell, and I think that makes sense because I usually reckon credit unions are great, I think, for kids and they just have more flexibility as far as the number of accounts you can open and, you know, small minimum deposit requirements and that kind of thing. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more about your Money Mammals uh, program, if you could. Yeah, this is exciting. So we work with credit unions and soon community banks, you know, really kind of socially conscious, locally based businesses. And what they do with the program is they expose parents to the importance of starting an account from an early age. But it's more than just opening an account is once they sit down, now they realize, okay, well, this is all, there's, it's fun with the money mammals, but there's so much more to it because the art of allowance is now part of the program. So we get the kids excited. That's like, you know, the money mammal is like a magnet for the kids to come in. And then the parents, we give them a plan to actually teach their kids about money. Um, we also have educational materials. So a lot of our partners will go into the school systems that, uh, that, they, that they serve and and help the kids learn in the various classrooms in elementary school, which is terrific. Oh, and yeah. we have materials on, in everywhere the kids are. So we have apps for kids. We have you know, online games that they can play. Uh, and then we also have kind of physical uh, materials that as they save and they come in and they're saving, they get a little rewards card. After they've punched that rewards card a certain amount of times, they can get little gifts that are Money Mammals gifts. So all in the whole idea here is to get kids excited about the process of saving and sharing and spending smart. And our credit union partners do an amazing job of doing that through the parents and through the schools, all engaging the kids. That is brilliant. I am so honored to talk with you. I feel like what you're doing is so important. Do you guys have any other projects going besides the Money Mammals? Well, we have, so we have the Money Mammals, and I, we have three kids' books that, 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 that work with the Money Mammals, plus we have the um, DVD, and then we have our apps. But the Art of Allowance, I have my own podcast, the Art of Allowance podcast, where I talk to parents. And the idea there is just to provide parents more opportunity to hear from other parents, because the idea is they, they can pick and choose, just like in this conversation we're having here. We're going to have parents listen, and they're going to pick and choose the things that they think will work with their family right? Yes. And so that's what we're doing is kind of building up the art of allowance landscape. So now we have 
the material to get kids excited as well as the system for the, the plan for parents. And so my my whole goal is just to get out there and talk to talk to folks like you and their, your audience about the importance of talking to their kids young and to show them how simple it is to get started with this and how important it is to be intentional about it as well. Brilliant. The three children's books that you have, what are the names of the books? Do you, can you list those for us? Sure. It's uh, Joe the Monkey and Friends Learn About Spending Smart. Uh, Joe the Monkey Learns to Share and Joe the Monkey Saves for a Goal. And, and can, you, can anybody purchase those or is it only the credit union part, partners that you have? You can purchase them on our um, Art of Allowance site as part oh. of a, a yeah, part of a family pack that we have. So it includes the Art of Allowance, the three kids books, and the DVD. Yeah, I love that. I think that that is so wonderful. And the Art of Allowance um, podcast, is it theartofallowance.com? Is that the website? Yeah, the easiest place to find everything is to mm-hmm. go to theartofallowance.com. And you can get those free resources like I talked about with uh, material so you can kind of start save, start your kids saving on their jars. Uh, we have that breakthrough allowance sheet that you can download. Lots of great stuff there. That's awesome. Thank you for providing so many wonderful resources for parents. I do think it's a very underserved niche in the personal finance world, and yet it is so needed and so crucial, and our world would be such a better place if we all learned how to do this at a younger age, I think. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there family family by family, and it's through efforts like yours on this podcast uh, that we can communicate that to them. So I really appreciate you having me on, Kelsa. You're welcome. I hope everybody will check out the Art of Allowance and a number of those free resources that he's got on there, plus the children's books and the Art of Allowance book. And if anything, I hope just from listening to many of our episodes, you feel encouraged as a parent to begin talking with your children. It really can be so simple. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. You can do it. You can start having those conversations. And I think John is providing you with so many amazing resources right at your fingertips to teach you how to do that and feel more empowered by it so that your children can in turn feel more empowered with money. So thank you so much, John, for being our guest on today's episode. Thank you, Kelsa, for having me. I had had a lot of fun. Thank you. If you would like more information about our financial coaching programs or how we can help you take the stress out of money, please check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Join our private Facebook group by searching Facebook for Overcoming Financial Stress with Fiscal Fitness. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. And we'll see you on the next episode of Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.